guys, listeners, guests, family, friends, everyone, welcome, everyone, welcome to another edition of the Cook and a Coach podcast. I'm Beza. I'm the cook. I'm not the cook. I'm actually the coach. <laughs> and I'm Kenny. I'm the coach, bro. I'm taking over. No, I'm the cook. Welcome, everybody. Uh, another episode, quarantine edition. Indeed. Uh, still using the Zoom chat. Uh, guys, we have a great guest today. We'll introduce him later, but uh, I'm trying to get him on for a while, and I'm really excited he'll be joining us, so we'll we'll get to that later. Um, Ken, anything you want to open with before we get into our segments? Um, let me think. I don't have anything before the segments, but I can – I have the – my cooking segment today is about seasonal produce is – isn't that a sexy, oh, cool topic? <laughs> it's the sexiest of all topics. Dive right into it. Go into it. Okay, cool. Um, so the world's ending, but spring is here. So um, I'm trying to learn more <laughs> about um, how seasonal produce kind of works, like what grows in Minnesota. And Minnesota has a pretty rough like winter. So there's it is a long season where there's no food actually growing here. Um, so I'm trying to learn more about it. Weirdly, it's very all the info is very disparate and hard to track down. Um, but I figured that uh, people hopefully have a little bit more time on their hands um, and can lean into like the the new the fresh start of spring and maybe just learn some cooking stuff uh, while you know everything's kind of crazy. Um, so I just had just really quick, but just a couple um, website recommendations for people that they can potentially try out just to learn about the food that grows locally and seasonally around them, um, so they can just become a little more accustomed to it. Um, also, if you try like cooking seasonally or using some vegetables or whatever produce that grows during a certain time of year, that can sometimes help you. Uh, it'll give you like a, a, a restriction or a limitation that's actually really helpful. Um, so the main resource that I have to recommend is called The Spruce Eats. It's a blog. Um, on there, I think I have to check, but I think they have all, they have a blog post for each of the 50 states in the U.S., and it's all about like seasonal fruits and vegetables uh, in each state and like the, the time of years that they grow in and like what to look for. And so if you're just looking for like an encyclopedia knowledge of what grows around you, that might be a good place to start. So that's called the Spruce Eats. Um, and then otherwise, besides that, just check out farmer's markets in your area. Um, farmer's markets websites can be a little janky at times, but there's usually some pretty helpful stuff. Uh, sometimes they have Instagram and Facebook pages and they'll post about the produce that they have. Um, so yeah, it's tricky with lockdown and stuff, but um, it's it's definitely something to try out. So that's my recommendation. Like, check that out. And if you have questions about like what to cook with those things, uh, you can hit me up. Um, otherwise, there's some like websites that you can type in the ingredients that you have, and they'll give you recommendations on what to cook. So you can do that too. But yeah, that's pretty much what I got today. Pretty short and sweet. But are there any farmers markets open right now? Do you know of? That's a good question. I think. Um, I mean, I, mean, I doubt it, but I'm just curious. I actually think I saw a post from the St. Paul Farmer's Market that they were open, but they had all of these uh, safety measures for just okay. Corona and stuff. So I think there are some that might be open, but I think we're still relatively early on into the growing season. So, um, but yeah, it's weird. Sometimes there'll be like winter markets where things will be open, but check that out. Um, yeah. Farmers probably are struggling a little bit right now too. So it might be nice just if you can support them, give it a shot. It'll, it'll be a good way to learn too. For my segment today, um, also short and sweet, but I think very applicable to these times is, um, well, I think it's twofold. One, right? Like, I think a lot of people right now, they, you know, they're 
working from home or they were laid off or they're kind of in this weird in-between stage. I don't know what everyone's situation is. But regardless of who you are, you for sure have more time, right? So, I mean, number one excuse I hear from people about like not working out, not staying in shape is, oh, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. Well, guess what? You got time, right? Now you do, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that you have to become like, you know, Mr. Bodybuilder Olympia or some CrossFit champion, you know, during this quarantine, but like, you should be able to reach some reasonable fitness goals during this time, right? Totally. Now, if you're someone who uh, trains in powerlifting like myself, or if you're a strongman or anything that's like very specific of a sport, obviously training is going to be much more difficult, right? Right. But for those of us who are general population who just want to, you know, stay in shape, uh, you don't have to have a facility or a gym or anything to stay in shape. You can do that uh, within the comfort of your home, own home, your neighborhood. Um, if you aren't sure what to do or how to get started, um, you can find literally all of that on YouTube or Instagram because every single influence right now, they know that most people don't have access to weights or gym or whatever. So they're just constantly posting every day on their social medias. Hey, do this, you know, body weight workout, do this workout with bands or with some dumbbells, you know, everything has been scaled back and modified. Mm. And even I was on a call today about uh, potential grad school stuff for strength conditioning and they're doing the same thing with their athletes, you know? Yeah. Well, I have D1 athletes don't have access to facilities. So they're just doing at home workouts or just bodybuilding workouts. So, um, you know, if high level, you know, pro and college athletes are able to do home body workouts, you know, why can't you? Mm. You have the same time as them, same access to resources as them, you know, get it done, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, go on YouTube, go on Instagram, go on Facebook. You can find a ton of stuff there. And also, you can um, buy equipment, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's Rogue, the sporting goods, et cetera, et cetera. You can buy some bands, some kettlebells, um, dumbbells, you know, a lot of different equipment. And you can use that to make up your own little home grass gym. So, yeah. If you have any questions about any of that and how to get started or were some good ideas, um, reach out to me, DM me, text me if you know me personally. And, um, yeah, I can, if you want some help, I can try to help you out wherever I can. He'll get you ripped. Looking yeah. like a snack. <laughs> hey, man. I mean, if you're in quarantine and you're work from home and you're only working, you know, between six to eight hours a day and you're at home the other, what, 18 hours of the day? Yeah. You get, you, you get some time on your hands to get some work done. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Even just you could take your commute time that you normally would have and just put that towards something. Honestly. You find that, it. That's it. You don't need more. You only more than a half hour a day. Totally. Half hour a day, you're good. That's it. That's it. Dude, couldn't agree more. I uh, speaking of things to take around a half hour to an hour, I saw the bonus episode of Tiger King uh, this morning, and it was pretty interesting. I, yeah, I watched it last night. What you think? I thought um, it was pretty interesting because it was kind of like how sometimes you'll hear about. Um, 
what happened to these people later, you know, um, like long after something is put together, but this is just an immediate, here's what all the backlash, all the reactions, this is <laughs> like a real time pretty much response to how everyone felt. Just pretty interesting. I've never seen that before. Um, right. Yeah. What did you think of the, of the people they chose for the, for the episode? Um, I mean, I think for me, I would like to hear, hear from um, Doc and from Carol Baskin. I mean, I'm sure they both turned down the opportunity to do so, but mm. those are people I want to hear from the most. But um, I think it's funny how, like, some people were like, oh, yeah, like, that Dr. Mary didn't portray what happened at all accurately. Yeah. And then other people were like, no, that's what happened. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. was accurate. So, like, yeah, like, different people, like, saying, like, different things or what are, like, okay, like, yep. who's lying and who's telling the truth? You couldn't really tell. Yeah. I feel like it, I feel like it almost made things more confusing, if that makes sense. Faze, I was in the same boat. I was, it was just a quick, a fast track of me realizing how gullible and susceptible and impressionable I am. Because every time they'd go to a different person, I was like, oh, well, it looks like they really put together that documentary well. And then I was just like, man, they left out a lot of details, like, back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of like things that came out in the public after everything, after a documentary was shown, like, like different things about each character. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, Joe McHale like did not touch on like the actual questions people wanted to know. I feel like he asked like the same like three or four questions to, like each person. Oh, and sure. actually like dive into stuff that like we want to like know more about. What were some you know of the I mean? things that kind of, well, I, I haven't really looked into the show much beyond just the, uh, just watching it. So like, what were some of the things you wish you would have asked? Uh, what's the dude that's uh, Joe's ex-husband? I don't remember his name, but, but yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's like a thousand questions that people on the internet had. And, like, <laughs> he didn't ask a single one. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, like what though? I don't. I don't. I don't really know examples. Well, I feel like they they talk about in the documentary how like he was actually straight, but, he's mm. a, but like he, they don't talk about it like into like a two depth a documentary. You know what I mean? They yeah. talk about it, but they don't like go deeper into that and like yeah, what was actually going on in his life with the meth addiction and all that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, just, I, I wish they would have like dove deeper into that. Hmm. Yeah, like how did <laughs> explain yourself? How did this how did this come about? He yeah. I one thing I did like about uh Joe McHale, him doing it, he kind of he put in a few jabs even to the people he was talking to. Um especially I think Jeff. There's a couple things he said during while talking to him that I, I liked that like took some balls, I think. Um, I didn't pick up on that. What do you say? There's I forget specifically, but they were they were just uh even sometimes how they, he would introduce the people, it was just like loaded. Or sometimes he would say a loaded thing and then they would cut to the next question, which I kind of liked. <laughs> like he's kind of prodding the beast a little. They edited the crap out of the episode though. They did. They, yeah. they edited the crap out of that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like the way they cut that up the episode, I was like, okay, like they're leaving a lot out that we don't know about. <laughs> they left a lot out that we wanted to hear. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. I liked how they ended, they began and ended the episode too, because they ended 
the it was the my two favorite characters the the guy with the long blonde hair who looked like he was like an ex he looks now i'm thinking about it he looks like he was one of the extras in the animated robin hood disney movie like from the the town <laughs> that's what he looks like yeah you're kind of right yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 you're right um <laughs> and you're talking about. yeah yeah Honestly, and if I'm following that through, the the guy at the end who was the producer, he also kind of looks like he could be, or maybe his voice. There's something about him that could kind of be in a Disney movie extra character too, animated. But I like those two. My they're my favorite, so I'm glad that they had them in there. Right. Yeah, it was. I think the idea of the episode was a really good one to have like an immediate like where are they are now. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I feel like first of all, Joe McHale was like an awkward host in a way <laughs> he felt awkward to me at least oh really yeah yeah, yeah. it didn't feel natural mm. interesting not that he did bad necessarily but just felt weird i didn't pick um, up on that but that's interesting it is kind of a strange format just to have like just a famous hollywood guy zoom chat you <laughs> and then just stay in the same spot and just keep talking i wonder i was wondering if they shot it all in one day too but yeah, I didn't pick up on the awkwardness personally, but that's interesting. It is kind of strange. You know, I was wondering the whole time too. Huh. I was wondering if like the characters from Tiger King could like see each other on the Zoom chat. Or if he I was thinking the same Zoom thing. Chat. See, the, you're thinking the same thing. I'm so curious if they <laughs> did see each other. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I was curious about that. I think it would yeah. be funny if they were hearing each other like talk shit about each other. I think it's because I had like, probably because we have the interview coming up today over Zoom. We're like, how did they put that together? How did they coordinate all those schedules? I was thinking yeah. the exact same thing. Guys, our guest today is a comedian um, from Yemen to Ethiopia to the Twin Cities. It was his journey. Um, one of my favorite comics today. Um, the only guys maybe not breathe in a comedy club. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of his work, uh, great guy, friend of mine, and uh, glad he's here on the show, uh, Mr. Ali Sultan. I was just, I was going to say, I had listened to the Happy to Be Here comedy album this morning, and I really loved it. I thought it was so great. Um, I, I just wanted to pay you that compliment. Oh, you got it there? Oh, perfect. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you three of those for that compliment. <laughs> oh, there we go. I'll take it. Yeah, man. I Thanks for listening to it. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. It was, it was, uh, I I had so many questions about like how you put it together and I just, it was such a fun time. It really reminded me like why I love like stand up. Like it, I've been watching stand up a lot lately and it hasn't, I haven't connected with it a ton. And, but I've listened to it like for so much of my life. And then for whatever reason, like I listened to yours today, I was like, fuck, like I remember now. This is really awesome. So, so Uh, that's tough, man. What about it did you feel connected to? Well, I, I liked that you, well, the, I, I liked so many parts, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. I liked that it had like the live element was really cool. It sounded like it was done in like a, like a smaller club. And I really liked the atmosphere of a smaller club. I think you get yeah. some cool like interactions when you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like your style. I hadn't really, I wasn't super familiar with your stuff until today. And I watched all of your videos and listened to your stuff. And I like that you're a storyteller and that you have these hilarious jokes, but then you leave space for a sincere moments and like you're comfortable in like quiet moments like it like at a comedy show and not everyone's comfortable to do that so i i liked having like that pacing so 
That's a very nice compliment, man. I really appreciate you saying that. Very observant. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, man. Yeah. All of a sudden, I got all this energy to talk. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Sweet. Sweet. That's great. Yeah. I was going to ask, when you were starting out, did you, was it difficult to, like, because I, I can only assume like when you're starting out as a comedian, you just are hungry to get like any joke you can and just get a reaction from the audience. Why? But when you're what? saying these you're sincere looking- moments or these like even like happy, sad type moments, like I would I would assume that it might be scary to like let there be a pause or let there be like something, a space where that's not being filled with laughter. Because normally sure, that might yeah, feel yeah. like bombing. Like, so how did, did yeah. you struggle? When you, when you start, you're just panicking, you know, you're just trying to get to, a lo- to the laugh as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. So it's just like ah oh, shit man it's like there's a laugh there's no laugh within one minute you feel like the world is ending uh and then i guess through repetition and just continue to continuing to do stand-up you just get used to spacing the punchline and not like rushing because you get more comfortable on stage or you feel more secure um you're not like as desperate for the validation because mm-hmm. you're like all right i know this is gonna work I can take my time in the premise. Even if sometimes you have like a premise that's long or a setup that's really long um, and, and you just got to like believe that it's going to pay off the end and you have to um, also like find to put mini jokes or mini punchlines within the premise so you can continue the momentum. Uh, so yeah, initially it's just all about laughs and then making sure you get as uh, a laughter as soon as you can. Then you, the more comfortable you get, the more you can control the content, the more you can be authentic, the more you can uh, be sincere. You know, uh, I feel like to me, like comedy is about energy, right? Mm. It's a spectrum of two things. You either have your high energy or you have silence. And those are all energies, right? Like silence can be powerful because it, it can create tension. It can create anticipation. It's a very good tool to use. And energy is very good at, a, at its high end, too. Like an act out of somebody doing an impression, someone raising their voice high, all that like manipulation of uh, uh, like frequency, I guess, is, a, is are good tools to use and uh, stand-up. And, and it's easier to go high than it, than it is to go low. It's easy to go up there and just yell your way through a set. So you don't really, you're right. not worried about the act, like the reaction of the crowd, and you were just kind of like muffling everything. That's a lot of people do that. It's harder to be quiet and to bring your voice low and to like you know you know if you're like really present and kind of vulnerable when you do that. Uh, so I, what I've done is uh, up to the recording of the album that last year and a half, I kind of like perfected silence in a way. Um, how long did it take for you to feel like comfortable on stage? Like where you find like, okay, this is my pacing. This is how I, yeah. I attack the low end. And yeah. Yeah. It's an ongoing process, man. It was like, it, it, it's everything goes through an open mic face. You know what I mean? Uh, like I say, you're an act out type of guy, which means the guy who uses his physical body to embody a punchline. Like, if I were to try to sure. do that type of shit, it would feel so foreign to me and so uncomfortable. I would have to do that for about a year to feel comfortable in just that aspect of stand-up. Stand-up is, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of aspects and components to it. You know, there's, like, 
if you want to do one-liner, that's a style that you have to master. If I was to do one-liners, I'd probably have to give it a few months before I, before I can get used to the timing of it and the way it's written and the way, you know, it feels. So uh, that, that process is always ongoing, you know, and if I introduce accents to a joke or a new accent, like last thing I was working on was like a Southern accent, but I have, I have a very bad Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just trying to do the Southern accent in the joke felt so fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> and, but then I just, because now I know how to do stand-up, like I'm more, I'm good at it now. I can just make fun of me being bad at the accent. Right. But if I did that accent for another month or so, it's going to feel natural. It just, that's what mm-hmm. it is. It's just, uh, so to your answer, um, it took me probably five years to just get used to being on stage. Took me probably seven years to like do it the way I like authentic. Like I do it the way I, I talk, the way I am. And now I'm just the last, the, the next three years from seven is just me mastering every aspect of it. So I'm trying to learn how to do all the styles of stand up, but in a, in a, in a authentic way to myself. It's like without, while, while staying true, you know what I mean? Challenging myself, sure. trying to find different parts of who I am within it, but staying I true. I love that. That's so cool. So for, for people who aren't as familiar, like how many times were you going up uh, over that? Like how many times a week were you going up and doing sets? Bef- Pre-Corona. Zoom? Zoom, I'm on there. I mean, I mean, now we're out here on Zoom. <laughs> we're out here on Zoom. Zooming it up. Pre-Zoom. We're talking the pre-Zoom era. In textbooks, it'll be like the BZ, like like before Zoom. Like uh-huh. before Zoom. Yeah. I, I uh, on, on an average, I'd say five times a week at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a rule of thumb where I think I think if to be a good stand-up, you always have no matter how how long you've done it, no matter who you are, you have to continue doing open mics and continue and uh, performing. Because when you're out there and you're doing open mics and you're around people that are working, it, it kind of motivates you uh, and it, and it kind of holds you accountable to uh, the creative process as well. So I am. Uh, very um, uh, active, so I'm, I'm doing anywhere from five to nine shows a week. That's that was what that was my uh, schedule, and I was a full time comic, so still I am well, kind of. Uh, sure. but, it's just a little yeah, more complicated yeah. now. It's just yeah, yeah, and it, it depends on the week. Sometimes I have a week where I have to do like seven shows at a club, and sometimes I have no shows, and I'm just packing it with open mics and showcases. And the difference between a showcase and an open mic and a show is like money, basically. Open mics are free. Uh, showcases are usually uh, non-paid. But then a, a regular club club week, you get paid for that. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because like I hear people, all these like big name comics like Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, Tom Segura, Rick Crash Trevor. They say like even to this day, they're still doing multiple shows a week you know like six seven eight Got shows you, a week you know and it's just for me it's interesting because like coming from the athletic sports world it's like you train and you have like a peak of like how good you can be as an athlete right but then it's a drop off and then you finish and that's it but i feel like in the world of comedy we'll yeah you don't plateau in comedy yeah exactly it's it's a very different animal and 
you can never really like fully peak. You can always find you another plateau. Level when you like get comfortable, that's how it is with stand up. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's like that. It would would with the body as well to an extent, right? Sure. Um, yeah. like with stand up, yeah. If you get comfortable, you're like, all right, I'm doing a thing that's killing. It's working. People are happy. No need to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you end up like one of those guys who just has the same act from 1999. <laughs> You're still doing like Clinton jokes. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, just doing corporates with those or whatever. Mm-hmm. I literally used to uh, open for this guy who would do like Star Wars impressions and shit. Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And he would do like a Cosby impression and shit. Like, no, not, not ironic. He doesn't even, he just hasn't updated his uh, act. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've heard a lot of New York comics are like that because in New York City, it's like there's a ton of different clubs. So you can just make enough money to like live and get by by doing all these little clubs in New York City. But they never travel. They never try to expand their act. They still like New York jokes. So when they do go on the road, they kind of fall flat because they haven't really pushed themselves to work on a craft, you know? It's interesting to think about. Yeah. It's important to do comedy everywhere. I um, I see that a lot. People get comfortable also and then just cities. They get to LA or they get to New York City or they stick to one club like the comedy store or, um, or the, com- uh, the um, uh, comedy seller. And they're like, I'm just, you know, I'm a comedy seller guy. That's all I do. And then um, uh, 10, 20 years goes by and everybody makes it. And then except for them, and they go, why? <laughs> why Because you just, right. you have to, you know. You have to go around. You have to go to the, no, you have to kill in a small town. You have to do it in a big city. You have to do it in corporate. You have you have to know how to work clean, how to work dirty, all that shit. I just think you know, um, stand up is like an art, but it's also a craftsmanship. You know what I mean? Like you have to learn both the art and the craft. Why do you think that is? That because I I from what I've heard from other comedians, that I really like. Um, they say the same thing. Um, but why do you think that is? That you need just to be doing comedy in front of so many different people, so many different rooms, like all over the place. Like, why does it, why is it that comedy does better and you get stronger in that way? You know what I mean? Like, is it just the variety, do you think? Or it's, it's the, if you're, it's kind of like politics, right? If you're the same political views to an echo chamber of people that just believe exactly what you believe, there's no growth. You know, you're just like, I'm right, you're right, we're both right. But then if you are to do your shit in front of somebody else who slightly disagrees or doesn't agree with you, it will at least challenge you to, A, look into your own political views and see if they hold up in, a, in an argument, you know, <laughs> uh, or, or B, maybe learn a new perspective. So it's kind of like that with stand-up is like, all right, uh, you know, comedy should be universal to an extent. Um, you know, as a stand-up, you know exactly what should get a laugh. And then you also know when something is kind of like a, you know, it's like if you're a chef and you get too aussie with your cooking and then people are like, they don't really appreciate what you did, you know? They're like, mm-hmm. what, yeah. what is this shit? It's just a sandwich. Uh, so, you, you know. You <laughs> it's know, just deconstructed, like all the ingredients are different spots. Yeah, they don't, know, they don't know that I combined turmeric and cumin. <laughs> they don't understand. <laughs> yeah so like you know you have that you have the space to know that yeah i, I kind of know more than the audience as a comic i have to i've been doing this uh, for you know longer than that mm-hmm. uh, but then you also have to 
part of the skill set is to be able to to simplify that your skill set to for them to get it mm. right and then that process itself is a compromise you know because if i just did things that i think are just funny i probably have 10 percent uh, <laughs> of the audience laugh you know what i mean sure. so yeah, yeah. It'd be, a, it'd be a selfish show. You'd, you'd just be up yeah, there trying to make self, yourself laugh. It's a social art, right? It's an art right. of the people. Like, I'm, I'm up there and there's a crowd. It's part of it. It's connecting to this crowd. So I am trying to connect. I'm not being a hack. I'm not, like, selling myself short or being unauthentic to get that connection. But I'm learning to compromise in a way where I don't lose myself. So if I am doing that, already i'm already learning to again almost appease and shit so i have to try different audiences and when i try different audiences the thing that i like uh, maybe the thing that i thought was funny and it wasn't getting a laugh here is getting a laugh in this town now that i know all right i hate that that's not a bad idea for you know i mean it just might have not uh, it's a demographical thing maybe like this side of people get it and that, that side didn't get it so you that sometimes it's positive that way and sometimes they're like oh we don't like what you said and you're like you have to take a second look into that joke and see oh maybe i just well it was getting a laugh because it was it was you know it was too um like too minnesota or whatever you know what i mean you just have to i'm talking a lot of you i don't know when you stop <laughs> oh, that makes no, no, sorry, no, you're doing that's that's perfect. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense for sure. Are you enjoying the the Zoom comedy world right now? What is that like? Like that's gotta be so different from how what you're used to. I mean it's really cool to like be able to do stand-up. You know, you can see me up here, but you don't know that I'm masturbating at the same time. <laughs> it's combined it's combined by two favorite hobbies. I, I can I can eat and tell jokes. <laughs> and I can come at any time I want. I usually hey, time it. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> I time it at the closing punchline. <laughs> oh, by the way, I love the subtle flex of the late show, late show mug. Just oh yeah, you like flex. this? I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually, I wanted to get into that. So you've done uh, Colbert. You did a Comedy Central special. Right in uh, Saudi Arabia, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Or... No, I did it in Dubai. I would never Dubai. go to Saudi. Yeah, I was gonna, say, I was gonna say, like, how was that like being in Saudi Arabia? But, um, nah. They're so bombing my you're... country, bro. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. I wouldn't go unless the money's really good. <laughs> yeah. So you're half Ethiopian, half Yemenis, or like I'm. Your mom's Ethiopian, right? Yeah, so it's a it's a, I'm, I'm a mysterious lineage. You know, what I mean, we're we're not like white people where you can pinpoint to grand, grand your grandpa's dad and shit like that. You know, we don't have a treat in the yeah. you know, where we grow up. It's more complex. You know, nobody knows. You don't. You barely know your uncles. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. With my heritage or my ethnic city, it's it's a. I, I know my mom's side because I grew up with my mom and I grew up with my dad. My mom is half and half. So basically, her dad is Yemeni and her mom is Ethiopian. Okay. And her dad and her mom met in Ethiopia because her dad was a businessman in Ethiopia. And uh, my dad is more oh, mysterious. I, I, I did not grow up with my, I did not grow up with him, right? Yeah. And he has Ethiopian lineage, but they're like, they're, they're people are secretive about their African lineage in Yemen. 
if that makes sense. Because they yeah. get like, there is like racism there too, where like, you know, I mean, if you're Ethiopia and Yemen used to be kind of almost like one colony at one point, Ethiopia dominated Yemen at one point. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of hatred and nationalism against Ethiopians because they once fucked Yemen over or whatever, <laughs> like yes. thousand years ago, biblical times, and they still hold on to that. So for that, some weird reason, it's for racism and all that shit. People kind of hide their Ethiopian uh, lineage. So my dad, now like my fat, my 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 um, uh, my father's side, they told me that they're Turks. They come from Turkey, right? And mm-hmm. and that's what they claim. They're like, oh, we're actually Sultan is a is a man, a businessman from Turkey who came and resided in Yemen. So I didn't buy that. So I just did a DNA test. <laughs> 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 I did a DNA test and I'm African as fuck, dude. I'm like 55% African. And I was oh, like, no way. yeah, I'm like, that's way more than my mom's side. That means my dad is, is, is more African than my mom. I'm like, these right. motherfuckers are lying. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. That's a crazy story. Turkish. I'm 0% Turkish. Right. Wow. That's wild. So I asked, yeah, I asked all that because, you know, coming from an Ethiopian household, that. I know that comedy is the last thing on earth my parents would want me to do for a living. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ethiopians so. are fucking assholes, man. Ethiopians are such uh, yeah. passive-aggressive, yeah, yeah. low-key, biggest haters in the world. I've lived yeah. in Ethiopia for five years. The most discouraging people in the world that are Ethiopians. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're, 100%. They're the most civil motherfuckers ever. They're civil as hell. Like when I lived in Ethiopia, I've never seen anyone like get get along as well as Ethiopians. Like the Muslims and the Christians will celebrate each other's like holidays. It's like a really beautiful place, right? But then like when it comes to like living a dream and shit like that, they're so fucking negative. So, so negative. F your dreams. F your dreams. They don't matter. Yeah. Uh, if you literally, if you could be like, I want to be a plumber. And they're like, ah, I don't know, man. It takes a lot of skill sets to be a plumber. Your hands are kind of shaky. <laughs> like, even being a plumber is they make it feel impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I asked all that to say, though. Uh, name, like, name three toilets. Name three toilets. See, you don't know anything about plumbing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, I asked all that to say is like, like where did your love for comedy come from and why did you want to start comedy? Because I know that, you know, in, you know, Middle East culture, African culture, that's not something that's like necessarily approved of. So like, how did you get to that point where you say, you know what, I'm going to go for this thing? Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, it, we're funny people. Though. Ethiopians and Yemeni people are really funny and two different styles, you know? Like Ethiopians, I feel like, really good at sarcasm we were really good at sarcasm there you know what i mean mm-hmm. talking shit and sarcasm yeah. yeah like that was good and yeah man is a lot of like of the um like almost street like roast style like aggressive type of comedy um so i've always been around funny people you know what i mean I'm, i've all i think i've always been funny i remember just doing impressions as a kid two, three, four years old doing impressions of Mr. Bean to my family and getting big laughs and like realizing the power of making people laugh then. Not intentionally then, but I now know that I did then, right? So I've always been funny. I've always liked being around funny people. Like there's a kid named Fozy when I was a kid. He was like the funniest kid in the neighborhood. I just loved around, like being around this kid and like listening to jokes. 
he would tell street jokes and I would like listen in and just have a great time. It was like my favorite thing. Uh, I've always like writing stories. I've always like took random objects from the house and created storylines and played with just random shit when I was like, you know, alone or whatever. So I've, I've, I've had the ingredients, you know, for, for being a stand-up. It was just a matter of uh, realizing it. And I think when I was 15 or 16, so I saw stand-up in America on a TV on Conan. And I was like, oh, this shit looks dope. I bet I could, like, I bet I could do this. And who, is the, kind of, who is the stand-up? Uh, uh, Jim, ja- Jim Gaffigan. Me and him don't have the same style, but, you know, kinder oh, spirits. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's funny. I actually met him, like, last year. I met him last year at a festival. He came and did a set at a festival I was doing. And then I looked at him and I was like, yo, Jeb, you're the reason I started stand-up. You know, I'm telling you this crazy story. I was watching Conan when I, as an immigrant and I saw you and I was like, man, this is what I should be. And he goes, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and he just walked away. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's hilarious. That's a great story. It was like I was expecting, you know, some validation. This yeah. is such a big turning point in my life but then as i was saying it i realized what i looked like and i was like oh shit i'm being i'm being a dork <laughs> and the way he just handled it he's just like this means nothing to me have a good day <laughs> so yeah. what'd you say that. is would that be like the most interesting um interaction you had with a comedian or would you say there's like one that's like the craziest or the funniest interaction with like a... I don't think that's you know, the most... I don't know. I, 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 stand-up comedy is weird where like you could be not nobody and still be around people that are really good at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like if you're in... Like if you wanted to be a football player, you're not just going to be hanging out with AP because you both happen happen, in, happen to be doing a, a gig in a, at a bar together or shows or yeah. at a mall. You know what I mean? The, the situations are not aligned where you get to be around amazing people and any professions just like stand up is the only way where you're like, you could be like a hack open mic or, and you're working a weekend with one of the greatest comedians in the country. <laughs> right. So you will tend to have a lot of interactions with like semi famous people or famous people I'm trying to remember one of my favorite ones. Oh, one of my favorite ones was Mark Marin. You guys know what Mark? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I opened for him at my home club at Acme Comedy Company, and he was doing, uh, I think, a Jesus joke. I forgot what the tag is, but I had a tag for him. And I was like, "Hey, man, I think uh, if you do it this way or whatever, like, I'm, you know, I, I apologize first of all. I was like, "Hey, man, I have no business giving you tags, but if you allow me to present you with an idea," and he just like said, "Huh, that could work." And then he tried it, you know what I mean? And that like, wow. made me feel very good that Mark Marin would consider anything I said about comedy, right? That's then then uh, months go by. I'm in L.A. I go to the comedy store. And, and at the comedy store, there's like a hallway where you see comics sometimes. And I saw Mark Marin. I was like, hey, Mark, what's up, dude? How you doing? Uh, and then he looked at me, not sure about who I am. And he goes, goes uh, Al Franken, and I'm like, like you're friends of Al Franken. I'm like, no, 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 no. I open for you at Acme, and he goes, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get, he goes, oh yeah, you give me a tag. 
Sometimes it works. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's really funny. That's really Sometimes cool. Sometimes it works. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really funny. That's so dope. That uh, similar. Well, one thing I was going to say is uh, the the Jesus jokes that you have are some of the best Jesus jokes I've heard. And like, I grew up in a very Christian environment, <laughs> like coming up. And so like, I've heard a lot of Jesus jokes and yours are some of my favorites now. Um, I, mean, really I, 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 I don't know. I have an obsession with cops, Jesus. <laughs> and like, those are like mom, mom, mom jokes. Like those are three mm-hmm. things I can do hours on. Jesus, I don't know. I guess he's one of the biggest figures. <laughs> yeah. And the planet, how would you not be? Isn't it kind of insane to like think that he's like in the West at least the most powerful like beloved figure, and it's just not him. It's a picture of a random dude. Yeah, someone else. A picture of a random dude from (laughs) Alabama, probably a meth head, and (laughs) you're like everybody put that picture and him and some random white woman supposedly marry, and and it's all over churches and people are like pray to a random fucking white dude it's so crazy when we, when we know for sure the man is middle east <laughs> yeah that's awesome. there's actually a there's actually a lot of history on that painting that painting wasn't created until like 1942 or something yeah it's the most, like, it's the guy with the social time. security that guy that guy exists i guess probably from arkansas <laughs> so, honestly right. yeah probably it's insane so yeah, that's that an obsession with that. And I think the reason that Jesus is white is the reason there's a lot of delusional white people out there. Mm. Go on that. Go on that. Uh, well, think about it. Like if I woke, I was born into a world where I people like since I was a baby, people took me to like the house of God, and they said this is the house of God, the highest point on earth or whatever, and there's a picture of God. And that if that dude looked like me, then I would grow up to be a fucking asshole. If, <laughs> if you tell me that guy looks like me as a child, you know, as a child, your ego is off the roof, and you're learning that you are God, basically, because you yeah. resemble God. And and then you read that God, you know, God makes us in, in His image or whatever. Of course, man, I'd be a dick. My bio would just be biblical verses. Oh yeah, it's funny too because like a lot of like not my lot, Tinder like, would just be like a side to side picture. It's like this dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's it's literally why we have so much bad comedy. I think it's because people grow up thinking that they're they're, they're special and they don't know why. It's because they saw a picture of God. That looks like kind of like them. <laughs> yeah. like, like I suck at school. I, uh, I'm bad at interacting with human beings. I must be a comedian. That's, that's got to be it. <laughs> and then they come and clog open mics. Yeah, I think I have a special spark. I don't know why. But... I don't know why. <laughs> now, indoctrinated to think I look like the Lord. Right. <laughs> is it too late to change that? Can we go back to Middle Eastern Jesus, or is it is a wrap? I don't know. I don't know. If Arabs are responsible, dude. To be to be look to like they're already like too much. <laughs> I don't want. Yeah. Bro, I don't want Arabs to also think they're God. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think that that's like I think that's the 
cool thing about like Muslims is what they do is like they don't show pictures of prophets. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons right. being is you don't idolize that picture and whatnot. But at the same time, people don't walk around with the confidence that they think they look like something important, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe, maybe like the maybe Jewish. We, maybe maybe we keep Jesus anonymous, man. Maybe more of a, a symbol, more powerful than a picture. I don't know, man. Maybe yeah. maybe airbrush the fucking uh, abs away so people don't have eating disorders. <laughs> yeah, why is he always ripped? Why does he have a six pack yeah, on the Yeah, put some titties on the man, dude. Put Honestly, some yeah. His beard is like too perfect too. Like he did not have like a liner back in the day. Like come on. Right. What barber are you going to, bro? If there's any proof that Jesus is black, is look at it. Look at the face. Look at the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. Oh. That's interesting. That's got to be similar. It's kind of similar to like the Jewish thing where it's like Yahweh. It's like when it's pronounced like uh, originally, it's like a breath, like in and out of a breath. And so you're not even saying something specific. Um, whereas like a lot of Christians are like, his name was Jesus Christ. And like, here's what he looks like. Here's like his everything about Jesus. him. His middle name is Johnson. Just right. like mine. Just like mine. I'll tell Don't you look what. Into- <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> You guys like my southern accent? I'm impressed. I was gonna say, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's coming around. Oh, Jewish people. That's another reason Jewish people have an ego is because they're told they're promised people or whatever. Special (laughs) ego. Ego. Religion has given so many people egos. Jews have a lot of egos. Uh, White people have an ego. Um, Arab too, like Muslims, and like they think like if you like if you're indoctrinated in Islam and like. Like go through like religious history, they make it sound like Muslims are, you know, in the best people out there, and like I am, cool man. Right. Like yeah, cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always like we used to be. We used to be. Look, look at the kingdoms we started. We taught, <laughs> right. we taught the world how to wash their ass. I mean, that's good, but <laughs> yeah. What have you like, done? Thank you. Like thank you years? for that. We do appreciate it. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, dude. That we invented, I think, the clock and the you know shit like that. I don't know. So I'm sure we invented soap. Coffee is our thing. Algebra, 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 mathematics. We apologize for algebra. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like collective pride that needs to go. <laughs> agree, and a lot of it is like totally a lot agree. of it is, is um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's like passed down like, like it's just kind of like part of i mean for me growing up it's part of their culture. culture yeah it's called mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah there you go that's 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 what i was thinking. yeah you don't even realize that you have honestly kind of back to what we were saying about needing to do comedy in front of different types of people and like different types of backgrounds because you're not even aware of your perspective sometimes until you meet someone who doesn't share the same feeling yeah dude sometimes i this is why i like doing like i do um I can, I go, I, I, I'm proud to say that I can do well in a lot of situations. I can, I can do well in like really conservative crowds. I can do well in a very liberal, like, you know, progressives where like any word could be a trigger word and everybody shuts down. You know what I mean? I can do well with there and I can do well with the conservative people who any words are like, yeah, I knew it. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> They like <laughs> they take it the wrong way, <laughs> right. um, uh, and then those two different, you know, those all these different crowds bring a different side of you, 
Uh, and that's the key. You got to like find people that bring sides of you and not create a new thing that's not you. I have a, I have a question for you about uh, just the Zoom comedy situation now. And so I was kind of curious. Like, what I like to do is I use loop. I use coconut oil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you like is have like everybody? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like what, do you use a stimulant or is it all imagination? Uh, sometimes I, write, I put both hands to the crowd so they don't feel like suspicious. Oh, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> do you ever like sit on your hand so it's just like, you're just like not sure. It's just another element takes you out of it. No, no, I use the uh, elbows, you know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, this guy's very, is he, is he about to? Is he like, is this well, a joke about so lifting someone? What is this? <laughs> Um, no, that was so. Yeah, that was my first. My follow up question to that though is like, what's the proper etiquette for a Zoom comedy show audience member? Like, what is the? How do you? How can you tell you're doing a good job? Is it like silent? Do you put yourself on mute and you silently clap? Do you leave your microphone on? Like, what's the what's the situation? Uh, first of all, don't be snitch. You see a penis? <laughs> you just let it go. <laughs> if there's don't anything we've it. learned. <laughs> Yeah. CP, that's just looking the other way, dude. It's a slip. It's what? Yeah, it uh, happens. It happens. Uh, uh, I was, what I like to do, well, the thing about Zoom is you got to be so, like, you got to go the extra mile with Zoom because Zoom is, picks up every fucking sound possible. Literally, you take a cup, you put it down, and it, make, it sounds like a World War II. Um, <laughs> You, you know what I mean? You like, you move your headphones and it sounds like somebody got shot. So like with Zoom, you almost have to, I feel like the best practice is to have a stable camera. Every time I do a show, there's a motherfucker who's just like moving with, the, just walking around. I'm like, how, how big is your house, man? How, how much room do you have to walk? It's been uh, 35 minutes, you're still walking. <laughs> Pick a fucking point and sit down. I would say just keep the camera stable so you're not making extra noises. Uh, and then I would say, obviously, make sure there's no background noises, you know, you know, I mean, you don't have kids around, you know, you're not, you know, I mean, there's no, you know, shit that can interrupt the show. And then I would say the best thing to do from there is just have a good time man. and listen in. I have designated audiences. I'll have like 90 some people show up and then I have 10 people be designated audiences. So mm. most people can mute their stuff and do whatever they want. And then the 10 people work as a controlled audience who, oh, cool. who is going to keep it cool and then who is going to encourage the performers. With the Zoom comedy shows, um, a lot of comedians I've been listening to hand the idea of a Zoom comedy show because they think, well, you're not physically in front of the audience, so you can't really truly get a gauge of you know, emotions or reactions. But I was in, uh, I was in yours on uh, this past Saturday, and I wasn't sure like how it was gonna go. I was like, you know what? Let me just try it out. It's a Saturday night, and I actually really, really enjoyed it. Even it's dope. though it wasn't, it's not the yeah, it was dope. It wasn't the same feeling as a comedy club, but I think it's it the gave, closest thing to it. It's the closest thing, and on top of that, I think it gives comics a chance to work on the storytelling aspect of comedy. So you can't really do one-liners. You can't really do like yeah, that's, yeah, on a that's Zoom exactly. thing. Yeah. But you can practice you, storytelling and like that type of comedy through Zoom. And it right. still has the same you, effect. You could, like. you could, I've thought about it. I think you could do one-liners still, but you would have to learn to, it, you can learn a good habit, which also could be a bad habit, which is learning to not need a validation and just believing in your material if you already know it's good. 
See, yeah. a lot of people believe too much, and then the, the joke never was tested, and then he's like, this is funny, I don't give a fuck, and it's horrible. But what you have to do is you have to learn that, hey, I've already done this on stage multiple times, and I know it's funny, I know this is the punchline is here and there, and you got to learn to be comfortable with that, and then you got to learn to time it well with Zoom, where you tell the joke, and you move on. If you wait and you don't, you know, I mean, just you have, you get, you have to be, your time would have to be good. If you hear a big laugh, chill the fuck out. Just like Santa, don't step on it. Let it die out because <laughs> there's going to be some audio sh difficulties if you talk over a laugh. So chill, yeah. let it let it pass and then continue. Yeah, I feel it's the same shit. You just kind of have to, you know, time yourself with it. Um, of course, the tough part about it is... Like, I have some jokes that require tension building with a crowd, and it requires intimacy. Mm -hmm. And they're more like thought-provoking and stuff like that. That type of jokes is more difficult to do. Because, sure. you know, you know, I'm masturbating for one, for one first of all. You know I mean? I'm holding my penis. You know, I'm <laughs> Multitasking I like I'm is a lie, you know? Like, it's hard to yeah. focus. And so is this even art, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, one-liner, yeah, and I think I've seen people do well with one-liners, even I've seen stories I think would work best, but yeah, even jokes would work, because people just want to laugh, they're listening, you know, they're still there, you just don't yeah. feel them. What would you say to comics who don't think quit, that Zoom should do? comedy, that's my number one advice. Yeah? No, I'm just kidding, what was the question? <laughs> um... What would you say to comics who like hate the idea of a Zoom show that could never work? Like, what would you just say to them? Does that be a thing? Ah, like you are never gonna make it, anyways. But what if they're like top tier, like getting twenty million dollars a year from Netflix type comics? Ah, I mean, I well, I'm in the up, like I'm fighting, you know, I'm I'm climbing the ladder and shit. So for me, it's like I have I have no choice but to work, but to be resourceful, mm. and. To me, creativity, somebody said creativity needs motion, and I like that a lot. This is motion. This is just keeping the spirit of Santa alive. It's keeping you accountable. It's keeping you busy. I'm creating a new bit every Saturday for the theme shows that we do on, on Zoom. So it's, mm -hmm. I'm accountable for it. I'm still connecting with an audience. I'm still exercising the muscle of, like, perform, tell jokes, you know, grind, 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 right? If you're Dave Chappelle and you are doing fucking stadiums and shit like that, obviously it's gonna it's, it's a lot more uh, heartbreaking for your level because you know you went from a 12 year break to coming back to being on top of the world again, and then you have to do Zoom. Fuck that, man. That's depressing. Just, <laughs> just you know what? Enjoy your millions of dollars for a year and come back when things go back to normal. I, for, for however, can't afford to take a break. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Some people can. Yeah. I can. I love that quote. You said creativity requires motion. It was, is that it? Yeah. So Drew Michael I, 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 uh, said that, and I really liked it. Oh, that's so interesting. I really like that that's a lot. If you're at my level of comedy, or especially if you're below and you really are serious about this shit, fucking, you're not above this. You're not above this. Go fucking do it. And here's the thing about Zoom. People make fun of him, this bullshit. Zoom will save a lot of comic partners. Because you have to think about this. We have been quarantined for about two months. And it might go over for three to four to God knows when. 
And a lot of these businesses have a lot of overhead or at least like they got to pay rent, they got to pay all these expenses and they can't afford to just keep their businesses open with no source of income. And then what comedy clubs are doing, like Acme Comedy Company, is they started doing Zoom shows. And that at least will sustain them until shit goes back to normal. So, yeah, hate on Zoom and all you want, but it's going to fucking save the good clubs. I think a lot of the shitty clubs are going to close down because, you know, I mean, they were kind of like the stock market, kind of artificially inflated sometimes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the rest, but the Go good ones, you know, they, they'll, um, they'll, uh, they'll, Zoom can save, Zoom will save, uh, I hope. But then, you know, you have the comedy store, the comedy seller, no matter, what happens to those clubs, they're always going to be reopened because they're just part of comedy history. A lot of, there's a lot of good clubs that are in danger if they don't do something. Totally. Right. Yeah, it's similar in the restaurant field right now. Too. It's, it's yeah, it's like, with me. yeah, go ahead. yeah, like I said, it's acceptable if like someone super famous doesn't want to do it. And it, yeah, of course, dude. Like, and you, you, you've grinded for 20, 30 years. You've made it to the top of the top. Yeah, I get it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to do this. But if you are, yeah, mid-level, low-level, whatever, dude, you have to look at the bigger picture. You have to keep the spirit of this alive, and you have to um, create content, connect to audiences. You have to also not be shallow. Like, you know what I mean? Stand-up doesn't have to be about you being valid. You know, like the validation doesn't, validation doesn't need to be in person all the time. These are real people. You know, when I do a Zoom show, I know that they, these are real human beings who blocked a certain time off the, the week to see us talk and, and they donate money and they laugh and they all, they all have a good time. So don't be a, don't be a dummy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I was just going to say but that... What about Zooms? <laughs> right? No, no, no. This is good. It's all good. I was going to say that it's really similar to um, how a lot of restaurants are struggling and like it probably will be that the best restaurants and the with like, or even just like the most driven chefs will find a way to make it work. Like I work for, a, for one. That might be a good analogy for it. It's just kind of like that. It's like a restaurant saying, Hey, I was like saying as a customer of your favorite restaurant, dude, I'm not going to order from uh, Olive Garden because the experience <laughs> of being there in right. person is what made it good. No, right. no it's, it's shitty there. It's shitty in your house. Let's go get it. Support totally yeah like find a way to make it work like a lot of restaurants like are finding a way like okay we're gonna do takeout we're gonna do this thing we're gonna do that thing like making getting creative and that's yeah. kind of what you're saying like Survive. being yeah. in moment like in the moment and surviving finding a way to like make it fun i love that um kind of a, a food related question have you um been doing any cooking uh since you've kind of been on lockdown like what does that look like i, I read your um minneapolis magazine interview and it was talking about some of the recipes that your mom uh, made and i was really interested and drawn to that and i was just curious if you ever make any of those or anything like that uh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm actually, I, I cook on a regular basis. I'm probably cooking more now because uh, the quarantine situation, but because I'm a professional comic, I've always had my days open. But, you know what I mean? I'm only working at night and stuff. So at the end of the day, I usually like um, make salmon, make Ethiopian foods, some of the stuff that I learned from my mom. Totally. I, I, she taught me how to make one of her breads that I really enjoy. So I've been doing that on Sundays. Um, so yeah, I'm always cooking Ethiopian and Yemeni food and Indian. I like Indian spices. So I, I kind of also mix in my own, my own stuff freestyle. Nice. That's dope. 
For someone who I'm not super familiar with a lot of uh, Yemeni or Ethiopian dishes, are there any dishes that you would recommend? Racist! I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on record now. No, no but are there any uh, recipes that you would recommend to someone who's like newer to it or any like restaurants in the Twin Cities? Nah, man. Like? Nah, I would say like uh, anything you try, you try from the source first before you go on and make mm. a bad impression of that meal. You know what I mean? So what yeah. I would recommend is like, if you want to try Ethiopian food, you live in Minnesota, go to like Tasika, go to a bunch of these other places, Bole, all these places. Yeah. Go there and then try, um, um, have someone from that country recommend what you should get and then try to recreate that on your own. Don't like make a shitty version of that and be like, Ethiopian food sucks dick, dude. Cause I made it crap. It's, <laughs> right. Right. Try it from the source first. Are you guys like uh, quarantined and, and like happy about it, or at least like respect love that it. it's working? Or are you five G conspiracy? Like I'm an extrovert. I be talking about this a couple episodes ago, but I'm an extrovert, so I love being around people. But what quarantine's done for me is give me opportunity to focus on all stuff I couldn't before, whether it be like reading, whether it be getting on my workouts, sleeping full, a full night of rest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's giving me opportunity to, like, I don't know, be truly healthy for the first time. So Good, good. I think that that's definitely, a, um, if you're, you can only, you can only run away from yourself for so long, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's, exactly. it's, it's posted a lot, it's, a, it's put a lot of people in timeout where they have to, like, be with themselves for the first time in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So like it's like yeah, you can battle your demons and come out a better person, or just exponentially get worse. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like it's been similar for me too. I think I've I've enjoyed quarantine as much as I can. I feel bad saying like, oh, it's great because of people dying and stuff, but yeah. I found a way to like kind of make it work for me. Um, I've actually noticed like that I've I noticed this yesterday. Like I n- realized that I've had to in different ways like mentally or just socially kind of tap out and like take a break and recharge. And I've realized that's actually been going on for like even a couple of years. And I've almost been noticing that having this extra time to kind of improve and, and take deep breaths and everything, it's hopefully kind of the end of this period of my life and I can kind of come out to the other side of it. So I'm excited. Oh, yeah, that's good to hear. That's yeah, good to hear. it'd be good. Yeah, totally. It's, it's weirdly like kind of a good situation for me. So yeah, yeah. How have you been holding up? Shut your mouth! Ask all these personal questions. <laughs> That's good. I've been, like I said, I'm I'm always I've all I've already figured out semi like a, somewhat of a routine because with doing stand up, you know, I'm not I'm only like working an hour a night, if any. Uh, so I've always uh, I I'm one of those dudes who need to be productive to feel good about themselves. So I I've always like did added a couple new routines, you know, I used to play soccer a lot, but then my knees got kind of whacked and that kind of got me a little depressed because I was like, as a big part of my week was playing soccer and de-stressing and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not sure what's going to happen because my knees are hurting. Uh, but then quarantine uh, happened and I was like, fuck yeah, dude, all you <laughs> fucking suckers, you're going to have to sit it out just like me. Because, you know, you worry about them getting better. <laughs> I want you all to be out of shape when I'm done healing with this knee. Um, so that, that's, that's a positive side, the fact that all these guys that play soccer would have to sit it out. 
Uh, but then, yeah, just cooking. I bought a piano, as you see behind you. I'm going to start learning the piano. A long dream of mine. Um, cooking a lot more recipes. I've been trying to do, uh, like, walks on a daily or every other day. Uh, I bought a bicycle yesterday. I bought two bicycles yesterday. I bought a bike on, on uh, Facebook for $50. And I should have not bought it because, like, even when that lady – First of all, the lady was in there. She made she let she let her roommate sell it to me. That's already a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> then her roommate literally was like, "I get because I don't want to be an ass, you know. What I mean, I just be nice and quick. I just wrote it and made weird noises. I was like, uh, I said, "Hey, what's this resistance I feel?" And she didn't say anything. Second sign I ignored, and, <laughs> and then I gave her fifty bucks, and she's like, "said Are you sure?" And I was like, "That that should have been me saying." You know what? Something is off here. Let me have my fifty yeah, bucks. He gave me an out. I didn't take yeah. it, so I fucking carried this bike. I go to Eric, the bike person, whatever that name is, mm-hmm. and I'm in line uh, waiting for a tune-ups. And I see a man in front of me, uh, recognizes a man that came, comes out of the store, and that man asked him, "Hey, can you tune up my bike?" How much would you do it for? The guy's like, I'd do it for 35. I was like, great. I'm going to go tune up with this guy instead. So I take his number. I go drop off the bike. And he looks at the bike and he goes, hey, man, I would not take this for free. He goes, this bike is barely drunkable. And he goes, you would have to fix the chain. You have to fix this. You have to fix the brakes. It's like, wouldn't it be worth fixing all these things? And I was like, oh, fuck. He goes, you, I go, where's the best, like, where, where's a good place to get a bike? And he goes, you can look at my inventory. I have some bikes that I've built and whatever. So I, I ride a couple of bikes, and then I find a really good bike. There you go. That's the end of that story. So in summary, I have a bicycle. I've been taking so many walks, like, and I feel kind of like an old person, just the number of walks I take on the regular like, and just coming back home and being like, I saw a deer today and Robin's yeah. and Blue Jays. <laughs> like, Dude, I, I'll tell you what I really love is now when I walk, I live in Uptown, is when I see kids on the streets or just people on the street doing shit. Like, I grew up like that. I grew up in places where everybody was outside playing or, mm-hmm. you know, like doing some sort of thing because there's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because boredom creates great communities. And I'm seeing a little bit of that, and it's making me feel nostalgic and happy. It's good to see kids like shocking on the on the ground. You know, they you know they're playing somewhere, getting uh, molested. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! God. But besides that, we want like community. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like that's a comic thing where like if a if a sentence is long winded. And you're like, this is going nowhere. It needs a shot. It needs a shot. It needs, it needs, <laughs> yeah. it needs excitement. It needs a punchline. And then you just talk about people getting molested. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, that was perfect. It was great. Could ask for nothing less. To that though, I think that's one of the reasons why you're my favorite comics is because you're able to say them. You often say like a lot of like not a lot. But you'll say some like really messed up things. And so you say use a lot of like dirty language, but it doesn't feel like messed up or dirty in a way. Like I don't know yeah, how I get you in a way where it's like, you know, you can you can handle it for some reason. I don't know why. Right. I think it's if 
you, you know, if you just come at jokes with a little bit of empathy, you're good to go. You know what I mean? If you're throwing shock for the, for the sake of shock, just to like annoy people or just say words for the sake of words, it has no substance and people don't like that usually, or people really love it. It's people really hate it. People really love it. And both incidents, you're kind of hacky. But if there's yeah. substance to what you're saying because you, the thought was honest or the feeling was honest, then go with it. That's my, my policy. But like if I think of something fucked up and I thought of it generally and I thought it was funny and I throw it in there in a joke, it's fine. But if I just went off my way to annoy and offend people just for the sake of it, mm-hmm. that's hack territory. Sure. Well, this has been fucking awesome. I'm so glad we got to do this. I, it's I, not bad, I don't, man. It's not bad. I was kind of, I came into it tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like starting a motor, you know what I mean? Good. You're like quarantine all day, not talking to, you know, get, talking to people again is like, it takes a five minutes to warm up. Oh no! This yeah, this has been great. I just, I feel the same. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't have any more uh, questions. Uh, Baze, do you have any others? Or otherwise, we, I feel no, like I had a great time, man. I like yeah, you, Kenny. Oh, uh, thanks. I like you too. This has been super fun. Uh, one time, one more time for everyone who can hear. Like, how do we go and see your Zoom comedy shows? Like, let's get uh, the word out. Uh, dude. Uh, if you want to come, I have uh, really good comedians on. I like like people from Netflix, Con- Conan. Uh, all that type of shit. And uh, all they got to do is just like find me on Instagram and I'll also find comedy and message me or go to my website and email me. And then I'll add them to my email list. And then I send out an invite every week for all the shows. Awesome. And they're free. Completely free. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. That'll be awesome. Oh, and I just remember, you know what? I'll share with you uh, like Jesus jokes. My best Jesus joke is like, it's, it's one of those, like, I wrote, it's really funny, but, but it like in my career before it starts, <laughs> it's, it's, I've been like hesitant to post it because I have like a clean special on dry bar coming up. It's like really like religious nut people. And I don't mind, like I can filter through the crazy people and get the audience that are actually like me, mm-hmm. but then I'm worried that it's going to cancel the special somehow mm-hmm. or whatever. So I haven't posted the joke, but it's a, it's a really funny Jesus bit. I'm gonna send it to you first. Yeah, I want to hear it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can't wait. That'll be awesome. Yeah, that's that's sweet. Well, sweet. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it so much. This has been a sweet. Yeah, dude. It's been sick. Thank you. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Hey man, word of advice. Don't shit. Don't don't try to cut your own hair. No. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm laying uh-huh, away. Because it's funny inside of my apartment. Yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Do not cut your fucking hair. I know you want to. I know you're trying to find some sort of change. Just dye it instead. Do not cut your hair. You're going to regret it. All right, fair enough, bro. Four Peace. Up. Peace. All right, see you, brother. See you later. Bye, Kenny. Bye, guys. Yeah. All right, guys. That was our interview with uh, Mr. Ali Sultan. Um, great local comic. Um, Great dude. Um, go check him out. I believe his Instagram is at Ali Sultan Comedy. Um, yeah, go check him out. He has these uh, live Zoom shows every weekend. I think on Mondays too, actually. Um, I was there last weekend and it was a good time. Uh, loved it. And uh, once this thing blows over, go check him out in, uh, in person.
Um, like I said, he's the only person who's made me uh, not breathe while I'm at a comedy show. So, yeah, he's really funny. He he also has his uh, comedy album out there too. It's called Happy to Be Here. I think he said he recorded it last year, and that's really uh, solid stuff. It's really it's really funny. I liked it a lot. So yeah, go check him out. Um, our socials, um, obviously you know Instagram at podcast the cook and the coach, and then Twitter at the cook and the C one. You can find me on Instagram at Beza B A E Z A T E N S A I E. Ken, I'm on. Ring, right? Yep. So I got a couple pages. So I have um, my normal page, just just me, is at KP Martin two, K P M A R T I N two. Then I also have a food page that I started recently. Um, it's just like a fun food page. I'm just posting whatever stuff I'm cooking there. So that's at Haymarket Catering. Um, also, I make music, and so if you want to check out my EP, it came out last September. Uh, it's called Bucket List. You can find it pretty much anywhere. Uh, just search like Bucket List Kenny Martin and you should be able to find it. It's like singer, songwriter vibes and uh, uh, three songs. So check it out. Guys, we know that you've been asking about getting this on Spotify. Um, we, we hear you loud and clear. I've got lots mm -hmm. of DMs about that. That will be a project I'm working on this week to make sure we can get everything on Spotify. So don't worry. Oh. It's coming soon. Just hold on. All right. So, so yeah i'm excited for guys. that uh, thanks for listening and um see you next time see you later bye goodbye bye so long all right, all right.